everybody, Psychic Me and Angelo here, along with my co-host, the guru who knew, Jeff the Ref Robinson, the Encyclopedia Britannica of Pro Wrestling. Jeff, how you doing, brother? Oh, man, I'm having a wonderful, wonderful day. I mean, we had a great interview earlier there with Boogie, and we got one coming up here tonight. I can't wait. We got a special surprise tonight. Cowboy Scott Casey, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. From World Class, from Southwest. Yes, from sir. WWF in a little bit of Florida. He has been there, here, there, and yonder, and he's going to tell us all about it tonight. Yep, and we're going to get right into that conversation right now. All right, here we go. He said, well, let me tell you something. He said, you can find sympathy alphabetically in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. Look it up. <laughs> and I never, ever, ever forgot it. Boy, was he true. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Stories from the territory with Cowboy Scott Casey. Well, go ahead, Jeff. I was going to ask you the Von Eric brothers have a very infamous reputation out there, and you honestly wouldn't be telling these stories out of, out of character that hasn't been probably. At least told through the times, but do you have any good Von Eric Brothers stories? I stayed in the same dressing room with them. They always rode together. They never rode with the boys. They always stayed kind of together. I mean, they were cordial to us, but they knew that they were on the top and they were going to make big, big money no matter where they went there in the Dallas Territory. And uh, yeah. it just, I, I mean, just, of course, I remember one time I got getting ready to put my under tights on, and Terry caught me looking another way and put itching powder in it. And I told him, I said, if you weren't the old man's son, I'd beat your ass. And he started laughing at me. He thought that was so funny. But it was itchy for a while. You know, I had to go take a shower. <laughs> yeah. you know, we were always pulling shit like that on each other. It was yeah. It was one of those things where we were bored and uh, we do funny things to each other. <clears throat> well, now, Scott, uh, if, if, if the truth be told, you got a book that just recently got released. Uh, why don't you tell our fans and everybody where they can find that and, and, and a little bit about it really quick. Okay. Uh, first, I want to say that Nick Ma Massey from Bristol, Connecticut, is my partner and agent, and he takes care of all the, you know, people want to buy books and stuff, and they got to go through him. But anyway, he helped me design the book. It's called One Last Ride, The Tale yeah. of Cowboy Scott Casey, and we have been doing some business with him. Very pleasantly surprised, and, uh, and I hope it continues, you know, it's... Uh, <clears throat> it's not that expensive, but I mean it is expensive, you know. But uh, we, I, I, I tell people, I said I had a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in that twenty years. Yes, you did. did yeah. Uh, well, I tell you what, the book is doing well because I think it has a great title. One last ride is a hell of a title for a wrestling memoir. It really is. Well, now, I, you, when you went up to New York. Did you ever have the displeasure of facing the Ultimate Warrior? No, but I had the displeasure trying to teach him how to work. Oh yeah, well, boy, had great energy, and I, he had great energy. He had a magnificent body, and he was I because we uh, we roomed together. I he was always down and out about something. I nicknamed him Doctor Depression. <laughs> you know they're never gonna do anything with me i'm never gonna make any money i told his real name jim helwig and i said jimmy damn it listen to me i said stop being depressed and listen he said what i said i guarantee you from the bottom of my heart to you know up to by the god you will be the world champion before it's all over with Oh, bullshit, Scott. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I said, yes, it will. And about, I got my walking papers in the summertime and probably in the next fall. Guess who was the world champion? The ultimate warrior, Jim Hill. <laughs> I first saw him because the son of a bitch went up and died on me. So I go talk to him again. Like, you know, you know, you, 
we all spread out. I want you to get out of the business. You know, everybody goes different directions. Yep. I'm living down here in Bigfoot country in Junction City, Arkansas. And it's, <clears throat> but since we got these cell phones, and I'll have to admit, I am mid in the first reader with one of these things. I, I'm trying to learn how to text and send pictures and stuff and talk dirty to the girls and all those things. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And have fun with it, but I mean, it's just, you know, it's just a crazy thing, you know. I kind of lost track there, but go ahead. Yeah. Hey, no, no, no. Hey, by all means, I, I, I <laughs> that's, <laughs> you popped me on that one, Scott. Talking dirty to the girls on your phone, I hear you. I mean, it, it's out there and it's available, right? Why not take advantage of it? But, uh, <laughs> somebody, somebody kept saying, I was a gigolo. I never took a dime off of a woman. Not one. <laughs> I might have taken their virginity, but I didn't take a dime off of you know. Exactly. Um, there you go. I'm sure if the sportatorium walls could talk, there's some stories to be told there from a few of them, right? Oh, gosh. One time, I'm in the ring with uh, Mark Lewin. I don't know. He was an old-timer. I don't know. What yeah. Was and and uh, yeah. Gary Hart. And me, now Gary was the manager, and we're in there, and Lewin starts to strangle me or something, and in walks, jumps in the ring, this little fella, the black fella, and he couldn't have been a born 25 pounds soaking wet. And every time they were swinging at him, he was moving and juking. I never did it. And I'm laughing. And Jay, very hard. I'll kill the little bastard if I grab a bullet. It was funny. We had a lot of fun doing that. But I mean, yeah, it was part of the show. It was just some just kid. He just didn't want to see Mark one beat the shit out of me. So he, you know, jumped in there. And the Miz Hart was going to help you. You know, Scott. Yeah, yeah. One of the names. One of the names that you mentioned, uh, Gary Hart. We hear that name associated with the Dallas booking office frequently on the show. So they tell me that Gary Hart was probably the keenest wrestling mind that ever existed. What was special about Gary? Well, he knew the business. Pardon me when I have a cough and fit. Yes, sir. Anyway, he he knew the business inside and out. He'd been in for a long time, and he had been around a lot of smart, smart guys that knew how to do angles and stuff like, say, like a Johnny Weaver. He carried a book, looked like a Bible. It was a book of finishes, okay? Right. But Harry was, I mean, he, he you know, you, it's like a, a pyramid. You Start at the bottom, you work your way up all the way up to the top, and you know you have the big blow off. And I had a match with him one time. We were in uh, the summit, I think, in Houston, <clears throat> and I had what they call a bull rope match, and we had a copper bell on the end of it. And he is Iverson Gary. He is wailing the piss out of me, honest to God. And I, and finally, I grabbed that belt the bell and clocked him on the head and I said, are we going to dance or are we going to dance? Oh, why? I said, because you're just about to kill me. Right. Some of these potatoes you're throwing at me. Like Les Thatcher used to tell me, he said, Scott, potatoes come in pairs. If they hit you, you got the right to hit them back. And I'll never forget that. You guys got to get Les on your radio. I'll give you his number one here, okay? Uh, oh, I love to. You know, one wrestler who I would love to actually get on here sometime that you uh, may or may not know is uh, Steve Simpson. Yeah, I know he's from South Africa. He's great. He, I don't know. I think he lives in Florida. I'm not sure. You know, but uh, he was he was a tremendous athlete, and the girls loved his long, flowing hair. Yeah, boy. Was young, youthful love. I was always trying to walk beside him and pick up his seconds. You know, I mean, just he was he was quite a guy. We hear stories about uh, uh, old Simpson being a, quite an ass kicker, quite a legit shooter. 
Uh, probably, you know, in South Africa, I don't know what their, their lifestyle is, but I mean, the boy could handle himself. He was probably about 205 or 10 pounds, but just, I mean, he could go all night long in that ring. I mean, and as far as I is handling himself out of it, I don't know. Cause we weren't around each other that much. And now I got a, I got a uh, real, really quick question before we uh, totally wrap this up. When you went up to New York, what led to you going up to New York there for the uh, few years you were up there? What? What, what, what led to you going up to New York when you went up to New York there in, you know, 87, 88? Well, I want you to tell George Animal Steel, he and I were talking. And, you know, I, I was, I, I sent a lot of records in the South. I made a lot of money for the promoters, made some for myself. And I, you know, I told George, I said, you know, I'm just one of the girls in the show. I'm not part of the main event or anything like that. But I, you know, it was, I don't know, Vince and he, whoever he had as his uh, bookies, the booking the guys and stuff. Or else maybe I may piss somebody off. That was the reason. But I could handle my own with any of them up there. And I uh, always, I tried to be good to everybody in the ring. And I even had guys say, we're sorry we had to beat you. Well, yeah. I mean, even though it didn't fucking work, you know. Yeah. Right? But, uh, that, you you had the opportunity to be in one of, uh, one of the very first pay-per-views that they ever did, the Survivor Series 1988. Um, do you remember anything about that or not really? Well, I can tell you one thing. Let's see. It was uh, Jason Snake, Axel Jim Duggan. <clears throat> Let me see. Me um, trying to remember the guys on my side, on the baby's face side. It was you and Tito but anyway, Santana and Jason Snake yeah, and yeah. Patera and Jim Duggan. of it is they're all dead all yeah, i know and, 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 Harley race fan. i'm sorry go ahead you know, no i was gonna say the whole team that you guys faced the, the guy the five that y'all faced that they, they are all dead you had andre who's dead rick rude kurt henning harley race and dino bravo all of them have uh since i mean they're gone yeah and the only one that outlived them all was harley race that's scott casey here yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, in fairness, you know, we just lost Harley. Yeah, last year. You know, Scott, I got a question for you. You know, you guys spend so much time on the road, and you were getting paid largely on on the houses, right? Yeah. So now, uh, with go ahead. I was going to say, with with the uh, guaranteed contracts now that are, you know, six and seven figures with downside guarantees of $100,000, how did you guys make a living and feed your family making far less money than, than the, the guys are today? Because some of these boys are pulling down oh, some big bucks. Oh, yeah, they're pulling down $200,000 underneath. Underneath. Yeah. And uh, it was tough because, I mean, you know, my biggest year up there was probably six grand. And, uh, you know, I was always trying to find somebody to room with or catch a ride to the airport with or something like that to help save it, you know. We had a, like it, every night, uh, Jay Strongbow, he was one of their agents. He would sit there with a, with a briefcase and if you needed a draw, you know, he'd give you $200 or something like that. And I tried not to think as I could, you know, but uh, sometimes you did. But, I, I mean, you know, these guys, I was on that Survivor Series. <clears throat> right. I was the first one that eliminated, you know, Bravo. And uh, I got back in the drill. Well, no, this was a... Because it took a couple of weeks for them to get the money together to pay everybody. And I we were dressing, and I heard a couple of guys, and I'm not going to mention their name, but they said, damn, we only made $13,000 for that. I only made $5,000 for that night. But for uh, two minutes' work, I wouldn't you know, I mean, that's, that's good money. 
you know. But uh, these guys nowadays, I don't, you know, it's God bless them. You know, if they're making big money up there, you know, get it, get it and hang on to it. It's like a friend of mine once said, it's not what you make, it's what, what you keep. Absolutely. Now, I got one last question for you. Now, according, according, of course, this is to the, the great Internet out there. But you're credited with uh, helping train Booker T. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Go ahead. We, uh, you tell us about that really quick. I mean, how did that come to be? I mean, where were where were you well, training at? I was, I was in, I, first of all, I left Odessa when this gave me my walking papers. Went back to Dallas, and uh, I got a hold of Ivan Pucky. And uh, he said, come down. He said, I, you can help me train. I said, sure. I walked in there, and he said, I got these two guys you're going to won't believe. And in walked these two guys, one's 6'3", one's about six four and a half, Booker T and Stevie Ray. And, you know, and I, I told him, I said, look, in the catch-as-catch-can business, and I said, you're going you're gonna to have some good days, you're going to have some bad days. I said, and they're going to call you the N-word, okay? For all you people, I'm not saying it. But anyway, I said, it's only a word. So let it get off your shoulders and, and save that money. And uh, they were, a year or two ago, they were inducted into the, the thing, the Cauliflower Alley Club. Right. Paid for me to come out there. Yep. I said, you're the only one I get with, you know, that we trust with our mother. I said, you never lied to us about anything. And I didn't, by God. I, exactly. I said, they're going to try to fuck you. actually a compliment. But it ain't going to happen. I said, if you'll listen to me, and they did. And they both are very well successful and wealthy men. And I'm so proud of them. I really am, you know. And uh, that was it. You know, I trained them there in... in uh, I trained him in uh, Putsky's ring, and you know, they both were from Houston. And uh, I, it, all the little intricate things that you you don't normally notice in the ring. I mean, how to grip, how to do a headlock, how to do an armbar, a leg. Yeah. All these things. I taught them. You know, I said, and just take it and run with it. And they did, and they did great. I'm so proud of them. I mean, five-time former world champion and, and Booker T, so you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Oh, I'm very proud of it, yeah. And you should be, absolutely. So I had a question for you. It's kind of a little, uh, a little shift in the questions here. You went to New York. Was the, was the situation in New York more political or more cutthroat than working the territory system. How would you define the... Uh... It was, Go ahead. It was more political, it was political and cutthroat, you know? And uh, it just, if you weren't figured in, you weren't figured in, you know? So like, I read yeah. one of these uh, things on your phone, you know, where the people ask questions and they respond to them and stuff like that. And they said, you know, how did you do that? I mean, I, you know, weren't you depressed and all that? And I said, well, you know, uh, in a way I was depressed, but in a way it was like going to the Super Bowl of wrestling. You know, I mean, you got to be up with the, all the big guys. And I went all over the world. For, gentlemen, I went around the world nine times. I went to Australia. Oh, I went to Israel, yeah. Saudi Arabia. Oh, sure. You know, and <clears throat> and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, it just... And if Vince had to spend money to make something, he did it. I'll give you a prime example. Three guys didn't show up, and me, me a plus man, and Hercules Hernandez, who, by the way, I gave him his name. Anyway. I we, heard uh, that. Yeah, and that's true. And he, he uh, we uh, were in the dressing room. He said, guys, I need for you to do me a favor. He said, you got to leave here today at 2 o'clock. It was a 2 o'clock show fly down to somewhere, take, do that show at night, and then fly back again to Springfield, Illinois, and then get up the next day and fly down to Colorado. Oh. And it was on a Learjet. They took us in there. <clears throat> so he may have been losing money, but he didn't lose the talent, you know. 
So wow. Now, yeah. how did you give Hercules his name? I'm sorry. What? How did you come about giving Hercules his name? Well, uh, bring line, as we were drinking cold beer, going down the road. I, Ray said, "God, I, you know," he said, "I got a chance to go to New York, but he said I just I need to be. I got to have some sort of a gimmick." You know, I said, besides being a white rabbit, because he had real white skin and pink, you know, it was funny as hell. But anyway, <laughs> I, I thought about it for a minute. I, to, I thought about it for a minute, and I said, Hercules. why don't you use Hercules? <laughs> so six months later, I hear he's up there in New York, and their feature name is Hercules Hernandez. Did the boy wow. send me any more money? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, I'm glad he made it. Had a good run right up there, you know. Well, I tell you what, I want to, I want to once again plug the book for you, Scott. It's called One Last Ride: The Tales of Cowboy Scott Casey. And here's what people are saying about the book: Saddle up as Cowboy Scott Casey takes you on an unforgettable ride into the world of professional wrestling. You'll hear firsthand stories about Hulk Hogan. Andre the Giant, Ric Flair, and many more. So, and the uh, the agent of the book is Nicholas Massey. It's um, available in digital form. It's a soft cover and PDF version. So you can download it or purchase a physical copy. And you can reach Scott Casey at CowboyScottCasey.com. Anytime, day or night, Scott will answer your questions, we hope. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for the plug, guys, and appreciate it. And uh, maybe you can have me back on there again. I'll give you some really good stories. Crazy. Well, I'll tell you what. I, like I said at the beginning of the show, I owe you big. Yeah. So what, what we're going to do is we are definitely going to do uh, a part two. That's for that's for sure. Um, we're going to dedicate an entire show just to you. And why don't we call it Tales from the Road? Why don't we do a whole story, uh, a whole show, Scott, on uh, road stories? Oh, you'll laugh your ass off. I mean, I've got them from all over. I mean, it's like I told somebody, I said, I probably, and this is understating it crisscrossed the united states between two and three hundred times i believe I mean, in 20 years you, know, you just go and go and go you know but uh, i really appreciate you having me on i'm glad i could help you out and uh, you, uh, I'm you, to tell you, what. you got my number okay yes that, sir i got your number I tell you what, I, i've got Les's number i'll, I'll give him your number if you want Absolutely, I already, uh, Scott. I actually already have your phone number. So, oh, no, Les Satcher. Oh yeah, Les. Absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure. Please. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I will get home and give you a call. All right. I'll tell you what. I'll I'll put the offer out right now. I'd love to have you and Les on the same show. How about that? Uh, funny. Hey, tell you some stories about me streaking the auditorium and, well, at backstage. And uh, <laughs> I, now, when you're streaking, you don't have any clothes on. And, and I'm knocking on his door. He said, who? He said, I said, open the door, Les. He said, I don't know, Les. <laughs> oh, well. You know, we were doing all sorts of crazy shit like that, you know. Oh, yeah. I'll, have, uh, I'll get a hold of Les and uh, ask for who? Angelo? Yes, sir. All right. All right. I will have you get in touch with you, okay? Thank you, Scott. I appreciate you, my friend. All right. Thank you very much, Bye. Scott. Have a great night. Cowboy Scott Casey, everybody. What a great guy. Good night, Good night Scott. Thank, Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was terrific. That was that was a, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I was glad we were able to get him on tonight. Um, yeah. You know, last, last, last minute things happen, and we don't know what it. Hey, you know what? Honest to goodness, uh, I hope Baby Doll everything's going okay with her and her family right now. Seriously, uh, 
you know, I can't be too angry at her. No, no, because personal shit happens, and we know that. I mean, oh, case, sure. Case in point, you've had, things, you've had things recently. I've had things happen recently that are beyond, you know, anybody's control. So, yeah. Uh, well, it's, uh, Jeff, it's just you and me. Yeah. So, why don't we do some, uh, a little bit of housekeeping, and then let's get in depth a little bit about some of the goings on, um, Regarding the uh, rest of the Tully, uh, the Tessa Blanchard situation, yeah, uh, we'll talk about uh, a shakeup in New Japan. We'll talk about some uh, rumor rumblings regarding Ric Flair, Eric Bischoff, and Chris Jericho. Oh yeah, yeah, they. Um... So, uh, Jeff the Ref, you are the guru who knew. So fill me in, brother. What's happening in the world of pro wrestling? Well, I mean, I think right now one of the big things going on right now is the uh, Chris Jericho uh, rock or what is what's it called? Hang on, Trey. The rock and it's like the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Cruise or something rock like that. Cruise, yes. Yeah, and um, but appearing is who is under a Legends contract, but appearing for autographs is Ric Flair. Um, rather interesting because his uh, his Legends deal is up in March or April of this right. year. Um, so he could be making a – who knows? He'd be, he could be making a power play. I mean – Well, I, now, I, is that unusual for uh, a contracted uh, employee or a contracted wrestler to appear on – uh, it's really not uh, an AEW, you know, Chris Jericho for the record. No, 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 no. It, it, okay, here, here's how they get around it. It is under the Jericho Cruise realm, but okay. AEW is filming AEW Dynamite there, AEW After Dark. Oh, I, okay, I wasn't aware. And they got two nights of wrestling. They have one night last night with AEW only matches, and then tonight as well. And then they're going to have another night, I think, tomorrow night. And then they got the, you know, they got it, the cruise itself is huge, it's mega. I mean, it, I would love to go on it myself, but okay. So Jeff, I'm going to ask you to put your thinking cap on here. Yeah. You've been around the business a little bit, as I have. Uh, from a fan standpoint, yeah, would it shock the world if, by any chance, Ric Flair were to make a uh, a power play for AEW at this point, or would would that be the natural progression? I think it's a natural progression. I think that Rick honestly wants to get back involved in some way, shape, or form and be on the road. That is, he himself has said that's where he feels the most at home, is on the road. Yeah. He does not like to be home. I mean, so much so that he will purposely book a flight within two weeks just so that he can have somewhere to go. I mean, oh, you know, <laughs> it, it's... I, it's He's just had that, that you know, for 40-plus years, that's what he's known. That's what he's done. So I could legit see him, WWE, saying, okay, you're going to get your, your typical, you know, Legends deal or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Or, uh, you know, you could well, be— Well, Jeff, what do you do if you're Mrs. Flair and you want your husband home? I don't think—truth I, 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 be told, I don't think Wendy does. Oh, I think Wendy would rather go hit the road with him. Oh, I see. I got you. Okay, so is she known then to travel with him? Everywhere he goes, she's right there beside him. Real? Okay. I, now, see, you smartened me up to something I didn't, I didn't know. She's more or less his behind-the-scenes agent. He's got an agent, and then there's Wendy. Okay, so he has uh well, let's be honest. You know, you listen to your wife before you listen to your agent. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I could conceivably see if Tony Khan and Cody come to him and say, we're willing to put you in a player-coach role like Tully and Arn, he'd, be, he'd jump on it. He would jump yeah. on it because at that point, he can make a play for a six-figure contract. Yeah. And... You know, as opposed to a Legends deal, which is only $25,000, Well, that's a very good point. So, um, at this point, 
Yeah, and does he really need the money, or does he just want to be out? I think that he's trying to make sure that he. I mean, he's been he's paying on four wives. Four, well, not so much two of them, but he's paying on at least two ex wives still. That you know he's he, he's having to pay off. I mean, you got that to worry about, but. I mean, the other person that's also on board the the same the boat is uh, Eric Bischoff. Oh, do tell. Um, Eric Bischoff is there on the cruise, you know, just there cruising around. However, this happens to be his first ever cruise that he's ever taken before. I heard a little rumor. Maybe you can smarten me up. Yeah. The little birdie whispered in my ear that Eric Bischoff is whispering in Tony Khan's ear. I wouldn't be surprised. And that Tony Khan is listening. I would not be so, surprised at all. Okay, so let's play devil's I'm Eric and you're Tony Khan. What am I saying to you? What am I saying to you that's going to interest you enough to say, you know what, Eric? I'm if I don't have a spot for you, I'll make one. I just did four months of penance up there up north, and they fired penance. me. Well, back up, back up, ref. Penance is that the word? <laughs> I. Uh... <laughs> I, I, I would say is that what you I, call it penance <laughs> um, see I, I can have my, my funny I, I, I got my own digs on the on the fed <laughs> but that's funny brother um I, I think that he would pitch it as I was just there for four months I was Vincent Hunter's right hand person though there for those four months I feel I was kind of wronged in a big way and it really was if you think about it oh no shit and this asshole's beat me once already yeah and not only that he, he made me believe that i was gonna have a five-year deal that he only gave me four months on well yeah i mean he beat up his morale but he also beat up his bank account pretty good too i, I huge hit I yeah mean, um he kept his house out in out in Wyoming. However, okay, here here's that was a smart move not to sell his house. That's for sure. Here's some funny things that I'm putting two and two together on. All right, this he's is on, what you're the guru. He's on this board. This is why people listen to this show because they want to know what the ref knows. They want to inside track on what Jeff the ref knows and how does he know it. So, uh, I, I, shoot, I brother. Uh, here we go. He's on board the cruise where Tony Khan, Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks all are. And Cody. All the EVPs and, and Tony. Um, and Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone. All who, who have a history. Have a working relationship with them. Right. So. Yeah. Very interesting. He also has not hit the fact that he's been down in Florida Granted, his son lives down there, but he's been down in Florida for an extensive year or month and a half plus yeah. since he got shit canned. Why yeah. would you be staying at an Airbnb for over a month and a half unless you're in the works of trying to get something done down there? Well, that's a real good point. That's a real good point. I mean, uh, Eric, if, uh, if, you, if you believe what he says, he's... Uh, He's spending time with, you know, with his kids, and I, that's fine. I get that. But, but most, most grandparents, when they're spending time with their kids, a week, maybe two most. Yeah, but you're talking about a half. Yeah, you're talking about a really extended period of time here. Um, that, That's just one thing, you know, then, I, I, I mean, I, I think that he, he still has something to prove to himself, and he does not even have to come on an executive role. I'm not even talking that. But why well, would let me ask a question. Let me, let, me, let, me back, let me back you up a minute. Because you said something really key. You said he's got something to prove. Well, think about this. He took 
WCW, which was basically dying a slow death. He brought it back. Yep. He made a profit. He said all he wanted to do was turn a dollar profit. Yep. Okay. He made substantial millions of dollars for that company. Sure did. Eventually, that company ended up bleeding money out the, uh, out the sides. Mm -hmm. But through no fault of his own, largely due to people like Vince Russo and some of the other individuals that were involved in it. He, he didn't but, make them lose the $80 million in one year. Yeah. So what, what, what else does he need to prove? I think that he really, to help AEW get off the ground and really just keep the nose to the grind and help help guide the ship in these initial five, even maybe 10 years, because he's still young enough to where he could be there for 10 years even. Yeah. In a supervisor role. I'm not, he doesn't need to make the decisions, but he right. damn sure can sit there and go, okay, guys, y'all may want to cool off here. Pick mm -hmm. up the heat over here. You may yeah. want to cool off on this guy. I see something in this guy, something that they're not even seeing. Well, Eric is, uh, in my understanding, he's probably around 63, 64. Right around that, yeah. So he's a relatively young guy. He probably still has something to offer. I'm sure he does. I the mean, question becomes, what can he offer that's radically different let me back up. I'll, I'll back myself up. Okay. I heard Vince Russo say today, as a matter of fact, that AEW was, his words, dying on the vine. And he says that wrestling's dying on the vine and wrestling's dead and wrestling's dying. It's, you know what? Okay, I got an opinion on Russo. I'll go ahead and shoot it. I know Mike Messier is a good friend of his. I know other people may be as well. And well, okay. in, in fairness, though, Jeff, Mike Messier is also a good friend of ours. And I'm not taking away from what Russo has accomplished. Right, However, right. I think Russo, like everyone else who gets out of the business and didn't choose to. Right. They all say, I still got something left in the tank and I can do it better. Well, is, is Russo just a, a bitter, ir, you know, irrelevant guy? I don't. I wouldn't say irrelevant. I think he could offer something, but I do think that he's bitter that they haven't come to him, running to him and going, "Please help us! Please give us ideas! Please!" Oh well, no! No, it's funny that I'm glad you went there because Russo <laughs> believes what he said. Uh, claims to have offered his services free. To uh, AEW. In that fact, I believe he even went so far as to write an open letter to Cody Rhodes saying such. That is correct. Okay, what was the response and retaliation? What happened there? Zero response, zero retaliation, other than Russo coming out on Twitter daily going, you got four days, Cody, four days, three days, Cody, three days. Yeah. Now you're making yourself look desperate and look like an asshole. Does he look like he's looking for a job? Yes. You know, I didn't want to say that, but when, I guess when you put yourself out there to that level, it makes you look desperate. He claims he's making money. When it is a known fact that you email Vince McMahon and Stephanie and Hunter on a weekly basis to give them critique yeah. on the and by the way, yeah, and, and by the way, Jeff, that comes from Russo's mouth himself. I, again, I'm not talking anything out of school on that. So true. That that being said, and then you turn around and you go, "Hey, Cody. Hey, Cody. Hey, Cody." Yeah. No, you're trying to get a job. I think so. I no, it, it clearly. I mean, if I were to write to them daily and go, "Hey, let me do a podcast for you. Let me do a podcast for you. I got an idea for a podcast. You know what? I got a hell of an idea for a podcast. Here's what y'all should do to get put me behind the, the mic on a podcast. You guys, guess what? If you put me behind the mic, rating through the roof, guarantee it, podcast number one. What yeah. does that sound like? <laughs> you know well, what you tell me. What does it sound like? <laughs> it, it sounds like, A, I'm full of myself, and B, I'm trying for a job. I'm looking for a job. Exactly. I'm looking for a job. So... That's what it sounds like.
Why? And, and you got McMahon who's going, I fired you once because your ideas were so far out there in the left field. Well, yeah, he fired Eric Bischoff once, and guess what? He fired him again. Well, hey, I mean, <laughs> but I think Bischoff is more grounded in, in the current wrestling and understands current wrestling more than I Russo. Agree. I absolutely agree. I, and when I mean, meaning Eric has evolved with the times, whereas Russo wants to take you back to 99, 2000 attitude. And that's the argument people are making that all Vince Russo knows is crash TV, shop television. You know, uh, he said it many, many times. His idol is Howard Stern. He, he said he, he would listen to Howard Stern in the morning and then watch Jerry Springer in the afternoon. Springer, exactly. And that's how he would come up with booking ideas. That's how he wrote wrestling. Jerry Springer and Howard Stern. That's, so, that's great. So when, when you, as an older fan, want to point the finger and go, what the hell happened? Point your finger, finger start pointing it at him. Start asking him why he took things into the left field in the late 90s. Ask, you know, that's where you need to begin because that's where the silly horseshit started. Well, the argument can be made on both sides, by the way, and I'm not taking either side. But the argument can be made that he did boost ratings and he, he did, in fact, get eyeballs to watch the product. I, but, I don't then, that. But, but like everything else, too much of a good thing is no good. There you go. I think what happened was he overkilled to the point where people said, <laughs> just as you pointed out, this is stupid, it's silly, it's nonsense. How many bra and panties matches? How many Viagra on a pole matches? Uh, stupid stuff. Yep. And and none of it. I mean, you look at how long it took them to even get out of that bra and panties mold. And into even just Paige and the Bella Twins being able to have a match without, without the fans wanting to see bra and panties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it took a long time. Oh, sure did. And I think that's what fans don't want to see it regress to. Fans, okay, I'll say this. Every fan out there that hated the Rusev, Lana, Bobby Lashley storyline, everyone that hates that storyline going right now, then you would hate, every, you should hate everything Russo did back in the late 90s. And early yeah, and guess what, brother? As much as people <laughs> think about it, think about this. Everybody who complained about it can tell you everything that Lashley, Rusev, and Lana did. You know why? Because they were watching. Because they were watching it, exactly. Yep. And, That's why. and, and, and you know, here, here's the other thing. That my, my point is simple. And it's, it's so simple. It's elementary. How can you know if you're not watching it? There you go. Okay. I, I, I mean, I, I've said that about many, many a fan. Many, I love the people who go, oh, I haven't watched in a good five to ten years. Really? Then how come can you you ask me about Roman Reigns, the Usos, or anybody mm -hmm. on the current day roster? Yeah. You, you don't, you don't go back. Yeah. There you go. Now, yeah. let's see. That, that was just one of the rumors is the Bischoff and Flair and, and being on the board the boat. Where that yeah. may be, who, who knows? That could all just be. You think it's just smoke and mirrors? Maybe could be. It could be that. It could be, or it could be a legit. I'll say this: I will not be surprised if you don't see Eric Bischoff there within the next month. I will be shocked. Yeah, you know what? I'm. I'm. I will be honest with you. For whatever my opinion is worth, I think you're more likely, honestly. To see Eric Bischoff before you ever see Ric Flair uh, in any kind of uh, either managerial, yep. on-screen, or backstage uh, capacity with AEW, then Rick, at least until Ric Flair's contract on his Legends deal expires. Well, like I said, that comes up in March or April. I mean, it's, it's right around the corner. Yeah, true enough. That now, no, here's what I was going to say. 
I don't know how serious WWE is about keeping him. And here's why I say this. Most everybody, even if they're under a Legends contract, yeah, they have to get permission to do anything with where they're going to be making an appearance. They got to get permission. Yeah. If WWE gave a shit about him appearing anywhere near AEW being under a Legends contract, they would have put yeah. the kibosh on it. So if well, they- the other thing too, and I'm glad you brought that up, Jeff, because tying right into that is the fact that. Let us not forget recent history where Ric Flair tried to sue WWE. For using the name The Man. The Man. Now, the rumor out of that was that they cut him a nice check. They don't forget stuff like that. No, no, but they did cut him a nice check to make him go, make him happy. Yeah, it was pacifier money. It was hush money. There you go. It Let's was, just call a spade a spade. It was hush money. It, it was. I mean, and, and, and you, you know, Rick could be very well playing and just seeing, let's see how much I pissed him off by being over here. Are they going to renew me or, you know, not my deal? Well, or, there you go. That's something to consider. You know, he, he could go to them and say, look, they're well, Vince. I love being here. I love being an ambassador for you, but you're only giving me 30 grand a year and they're going to give me 150 to be on TV. And how much of this is just to get people doing what you and I are doing and talking about it? Right. Now, talking about it. Now, you were you were talking about a, uh, t- uh, the Tessa Blanchard deal. Yeah. Now let us, let's go back to the beginning and tell everybody what happened and right. then fill me in on... Uh, on what's going on, what has transpired since that point. Okay. Um, Give a little... uh, The day before, the day of, that she was due to win the Impact World Heavyweight Championship, she put out a tweet where she just basically said, see what happens when us women, we come together, good things can be accomplished. Right. And... The next thing you know is she comes under a shit storm of a firestorm by not one or two, by a good, yeah, 12 to 15 women in the business. Yeah. All accusing her every anything from bullying to make a racist comments, to spitting in another girl's face, to basically ignoring the other girls in the back, to, well, I would say thinking her shit doesn't stink, but that doesn't apply to her. Um <laughs> well, we we won't go there. <laughs> Did you like that one, Angel? I got a good one. I, in. I loved your reference. It's it's you popped me huge. I will I'll give it to you. But I we're not. Gonna... <laughs> if you want to know what I'm talking about, go listen to the Jim Cornette's po- uh, drive-through podcast last week. He goes into great detail. Anyway. Um, so Tessa had, you know, she comes under under the storm. Then Tessa, instead of coming out and going, okay, I, I've been accused of bullying and I have, you know, maybe overstepped my boundaries in the back or has been concerned on a few girls. I may have said some comments that are, were rather disparaging that maybe I shouldn't have said. I, I'm going to go to go get anger management. I don't care. Whatever you got to yeah. bullshit. Even if it's bullshit, whatever you got to line, you got to. You're the heavyweight champion now of a company. You're yeah. representing that company as a whole, and you can't have this stigma attached to you and expect to not come out and at least say I'm sorry. Instead, yeah. she doubles down and says I didn't do nothing. So what happens? She has even more girls coming out and going, "You're a liar. You're full of crap." And you know, bottom line is. People that know her, that have been in the back with her, me and you both know that we both have heard that we've talked to. Yeah. I said she is difficult to get along with in the back. Yeah. As I said last week when we briefly touched on it, it says a lot when WWE is willing to hire most second and third generation wrestler if they got any kind of pedigree at all as far as yeah. And they wouldn't touch her because of her attitude issues. Right, right. If they if they feel like they can't even curb them, yeah, 
I mean, the girl's got a stink attached to her that ain't good. Yeah, oh, man, that, that, that's an understatement, brother. I mean, so, you know, it, it's, I, I don't know how she can get around this other than you've got to really just go on a, a PR tour of good behavior and just showing yeah. everyone that that's not who you are. Well, and no pun intended, but people are taking a giant shit right now uh, on Impact Wrestling right. for exposing the business in such a way. Yep. You know, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on that whole situation? Why even give the heavyweight title to a woman knowing, first of all, A, she's not a heavyweight, and B, there is a women's division? I, I, I mean, um, I think that they did it because Impact is they've got little to no viewers left. I mean, when you're 60, 80, yeah. maybe 100,000. Yeah, now, now you're getting into it, right. Um, you're going to, at this point, it's, it's, it's throw shit against the wall, see what happens, see what sticks. Yeah, but, pretty much. But in the meantime, you're hurting every guy that you possibly have wrestled or are going to wrestle. You put their shoulders down, and unfortunately, we lost the interview, but as Casey Carlisle so eloquently put it, it needs to be 80-20 or even 90-10 as yeah. far as the give and take. And when that girl, if she is to go over, it now all of a sudden, now what you've done is you've squashed that guy, and if he beats you, he looks like a punk for beating a woman. If he loses against you, he looks like a punk for losing to a woman. And now how does he come back and beat any man for that, for that matter? It's a no-win situation all around. And I get suspension of disbelief. I get... Uh, men in, in a lot of wrestling in the wrestling world, they say men and women are supposed to be equal. No, not that they're not. I can't buy it. I no, I, it, I, well, because it's not true and it's not real. I mean, when when China was facing Jericho, China was believable, and here's why: she a she looked kind of manly, and b WWE hyped her the fact that she could bitch. A legit 400 pounds. You're talking about a woman, Tessa Blanchard, who is maybe a buck 20 soaking wet. Yep. Comparing her to a legit female bodybuilder who was a legit with a solid pounds. 160, 170. Maybe even 200 at her height. Right. And, and built very muscular. It's it's what Booker T said on his podcast. WWE didn't even do that with Ronda Rousey when they had Ronda Rousey in there, and she's a legit badass that could who could exactly. and would tear the arm off of half of the men's males on that roster. Exactly right. Yeah, and they didn't even touch that. So why would why why did Impact do it other than huh? We need to try to pop a rating and let's see if we can get and they got eyes on them. Good, but guess yeah. what? It's all negative. Yeah. And negative does you no good. No, it does not. And so, especially when you're when you're looking to boost your viewership. Right. You know, you're not helping your cause. You're really not. Right. So I think impact has some serious issues. Uh, let us switch gears to a very interesting interview. Okay. David Benoit the son of the late Chris Benoit, did an interview with Chris Van Vliet uh, on his, uh, his podcast channel where he uh, he says is he's actively training again to wrestle. Um, yeah, that's, man. You know, you, know, you know where I'm going with that one. I do, and you know what? I... I... I'll say this. As a Benoit fan, that still hurts me. Yeah. To say what happened. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, I for the longest time didn't want to believe the conspiracy theories. I eventually had to come upon the conclusion myself and said, you know what? You know, not always where there's smoke, there's a fire type deal. You know what I mean? So yeah. Well, I mean, I'll just, I'll just uh, clear it up for you. 
Even David Benoit says that his father did it. That's yeah. it. I, I mean, that that right there was pretty much enough to really seal it up to me as far as yeah. anything. I mean, he... And I haven't seen this kid. He looks just like his father. And that's, that's what I was going to get at, is if I were him, and if he really wants to make a go of it, go down to Mexico, go to Japan, you get somebody to kayfabe who the fuck you are. Yeah, wrestle under a hood. And put a hood on, and if you got the goods... It'll give show. Yourself, give her, give yourself four or five years to come out, and then go. Hey, I'm Chris's son, and and is what is what Cornette said too about it. He actually touched on it today, and I gotta agree with him. Which is, he could he could make it a re, if WWE were to bring him in, they would turn it into the redemption story of my dad did a very horrible, awful thing, and I don't agree with it. I don't support it in yeah. no way, shape, or form. Prior to what my dad did, my dad was my hero, and to many yeah. of you, and to many of you, he was your hero as well. Now I'm here, five years later, whatever. I'm here to redeem my family name. You don't have to like my dad, but yeah, you, I can damn sure redeem my last name. Because well, I'm give everybody a heads up if they don't know. You and I both know. That David Benoit has been spotted a couple of times recently backstage at AEW. And I'm not surprised with Chris Jericho being a part of it. And Jericho. Exactly. Jericho has said he has trained uh, or bumped around the ring with, with David. Uh, Lance Storm has too. Yes. Brian Jr. Brian Jr. even, he was he bumped around with them. Yeah, sure has. Um, everybody says the kid can go. Yeah. Unfortunately, like you said, he looks he's a dead ringer for his dad. So much so looking at him, you almost go, that is almost the ghost of Chris Benoit. I mean, like Well, it's interesting that you say that because one of the things that he said was that he was actually toying with the idea of calling himself Chris Benoit Jr. I wouldn't doubt that would be a mistake. Bad idea. Horrible idea. Bad he idea. Done, he would have done. He would have done himself a world of favors had he said, "I want to get in the business." However, promoters do not call me anything Benoit. Call me David. You know exactly. Change his name. Yeah, it could have been anything, and he could have been like, "Yeah, I happen to look like him, but I'm not him." You know, I. Yeah. I mean, it's a, that's a slippery slope, brother. He, you know, unfortunately. When you are, okay, when you're that second generation, third generation wrestler, whatever you are, you, yeah. already, got a, you already got a slippery slope you got to climb. You already got to, and depending on how big of a shadow your dad cast, depends on how big of a hill you got to climb. And Chris Benoit cast a pretty big shadow for a small and, guy. And then, and because of his wrestling ability alone, that is not counting Yeah. what else you got to battle. Sure, absolutely. So, I don't know that the kid would be, I mean, maybe behind the scenes. I, I mean, I hate to say, because you know what? You hate to say you you shouldn't be allowed to pursue what you want to do because of who your dad was. Exactly. I agree. You know, that that's like going, not that he had any kids, but that's like saying to Charles, if Charles Manson had any kids. Right, oh, right. Well, your dad was Charles Manson. Hands off you. Yeah, exactly. We can't touch you. You know. Yeah. That's not really fair. I mean, he should be. Oh, I understand. And and he should, in my opinion, be allowed to go after if that's what he really wants to do, and that's where his heart is, and that's where he desires, and he actually has the ability. Yeah. I just don't. I would not go by Chris Benoit Jr. I wouldn't have the last name of Benoit. I would maybe yeah. go under a hood and then see what happens. All right, Jeff, so fill me in. Uh, apparently, some uh, some news in Ring of Honor regarding Marty Skrull. Yeah, good old Marty Skrull. He uh, decided he wanted to, I guess, <laughs> he turned the world upside down. He was teasing AEW because his girlfriend legit wrestles there. Yeah. 
Um, or no, he was two teasing takeover. Sorry, NXT, uh, NXT, and because his girlfriend works there. And then he was teasing AEW because that's where all of his buddies are, and yeah, and that's who he was actually associated with in or in Ring of Honor. And right. Ring of Honor decided at the last minute they were going to make a play, and they they said, "Here, we'll give you the book." We'll yeah, he's a, he's the booker company. Yeah. And on top of that, we're going to give you creative control of your character. And we're going to allow you to still take indie dates for the NWA and various other ones. They evidently also offered him WWE television, meaning Raw or SmackDown level pay for the him. Like, if you're on the, meaning yeah. it's probably at least, at least 250 or higher. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we've seen wrestlers been given the book before. The most notable example is Dusty Rhodes. Yep. But this is Dusty Rhodes we're talking about. I, I think that when a wrestler gets a hold of it and any time it they tend to want to book themselves um in in into you know, you, well, you okay? You can you can do what either the young bucks are doing, and totally book yourself into a, a loss, and make right. everybody go, well, why the fuck do you matter? Or you do the opposite and push yourself to the moon. Yeah, and either way, you're screwed. I hear you, brother. I would not want to be. I hear you. I would not want to be a wrestler with uh, with any power. Now, all right, that uh, I mean, I think that pretty much. Sums it up. I mean, this weekend we have Royal Rumble weekend coming up. That is going to be mega, mega huge for a lot of reasons. We'll see what happens there. My uh, personal, if it were me and it were me booking, I'm having Brock Lesnar come out. He's number one. He lasts all the way through number 30. Number 30, eh, and all of a sudden you got CM Punk's music hits. And then here he comes. Here comes one and only CM Punk to eliminate Brock Lesnar, claim that he's going to go after the WWE world title at WrestleMania. That would be pretty hot. So that being said, folks, my name is Jeff the Ref. My host, my co-host name, his name is Angelo, Psychic Angelo. And we are Wrestling with the Future. You can find us on all major of your podcast platforms, Podbean, Stitcher. You wait a minute there, young man. Oh, my bad. You forgot to plug Vanguard. Oh, well, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you got to plug Vanguard. You, you, thanks for the reminder. There it is. <laughs> <And> our, uh, <laughs> don't forget this uh, coming up in two weeks on February 1st at the Masonic Temple in Norfolk. We're going to have the one, the only badass Billy Gunn, Gangrel, Brandon Scott, and Ken Dixon in a fatal four-way to decide who's facing Gino over there at Hampton High School in March. And that is going to be February 1st. We're going to have a fatal four-way. Um, we're also going to have a big tag match um, where the Golden Pinky Society is going to be taking on team safe, simply safe-ish for the belts and for the first time ever. And um, it's going to be a hot, hot night of action there. February 1st, Norfolk. Go to vcw-wrestling.com to get your reserve ringside seats or you see that and you almost if i hadn't stopped you you would have left all of that out I, I i apologize well i'm trying to teach you how to be a good host over here yeah, you're, you're doing a good job i mean you know well you know i gotta remind you to, to I, and, you know and i want everybody to know i'm almost in a food coma from tonight. <laughs> I went to Alfornos. I went and saw our buddy Nunzio over there. Over there on Holland Road in Suffolk, right? Yeah. And I got me the stuffed tortellini with shrimp and Alfredo sauce. And I think they made the Alfredo sauce extra thick and heavy for me tonight. <laughs> I'm about ready in a food coma, I'll tell you that for sure. Oh, brother. So, and it's been a busy day for us. Let's be honest. We had oh, it really has. Italian earlier today. Cowboy Scott Casey tonight. That was, and and that was kind of an unplanned run in by him. But hey, yeah, but we will uh, we'll get Baby Doll back. That's for sure. We will. We we promise you, listeners. We will be having her. 
Absolutely. See, now, if I hadn't said anything, you would have signed off already. I, I would have been done. No, you're never done. <laughs> not until Psychic Angelo says to the guru, Jeff, till next week, tell everybody happy wrestling and goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. See ya. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.